0: Paramount delivers hits to everyone, everywhere, with top shows including Survivor, SpongeBob SquarePants, the NFL on CBS, and Tyler Perry's sisters. Paramount Plus is the fastest-growing streaming service, thanks to favorites like Star Trek Picard, Evil, and Criminal Minds Evolution. And Pluto TV is the top free streaming service globally. Popular is Paramount. See more at Paramount.com. Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler on uh, Friday, June 16th here in New York. Well, no, I'm in New Jersey today. I to know where I am. Okay. And I'm joined, of course, by Elaine Lowe in Los Angeles. So I think, uh, Elaine, is this right? Are you now in charge of the voting process for the Golden Globes? Are you the person now? Is that it? Is that yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm
1: the gal. Just come to me for that.
0: Congratulations. that's, that's Thank a you. New, yeah, a new gig add <laughs> to your list. And we have media Nostradamus himself. Mr. Uh, Alex Sherman from CNBC uh, rejoining us today. Alex, good to see you.
2: Pleasure to be here. You know, there's, I, I'm coming at you from New Jersey, too. I just got an alert that there are tornado warnings in the area. So if I blow oh. away the course of this, <laughs> you'll know why. Oh
1: my God, is that normal for Jersey?
2: <laughs> it is not. No. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in the basement right now. I'm, 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 my kids are upstairs, so I've subjected them to danger like a good parent. <laughs>
0: i don't know man you're in the basement you're fine we can keep going I, right, I, you exactly. know, it's not really it's everybody else you got to worry about of course for, uh, you can follow the ankler uh, on social medias at the ankler and uh subscribe to the ankler at the com to get the full suite of newsletter newsletters and podcasts and uh, of course you can sign up for the ankler's free strike guys newsletter to get all of the latest from the wga picket lines sag aftra Uh, Well, as soon as they start saying something, right, Elaine, I guess uh, still in a a bit of a blackout on that one.
1: Yeah, we might be in for a double strike. Give it two weeks. I have not made any plans for the 4th of July because I'm anticipating (laughs) being here in L.A. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. July 1st being a Saturday of a holiday week. So, yeah, exactly. That's going to be really great. Anyway, you can catch up with uh, what Elaine's up to over at Strike Guys and sign up for that at uh, Strikegeist.com. Again, uh, 100% totally free. Um, so Alex, Elaine insisted we have you on today so she could ask you all of her questions about PGA and live in the justice department. Elaine, do you want to just take it over right away or what?
1: Oh, yes. Go, go sports. What's what's happening with golf, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Um, Open um, is
0: happening right now. That's exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, out in, here. In Los, in Los Angeles, Elaine, no less. Come you on. You can
1: respect- imagine my disappointment in seeing that the U.S. Open was in L.A. and not the one that I actually care about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were hoping for uh, first person report, Elaine, but I guess you are you're not covering that. Uh, like you are the strike lines, is that is that an accurate statement? No,
1: no. But I was out at Warner Brothers yesterday, where the the only currently unionized strippers union was out pole dancing in solidarity with the writers group yesterday. So went out and had a lovely chat with them. Learned about how they unionized and uh, why they're backing the WGA here.
0: The most popular strike guys newsletter of all time uh, was that. Is that going to be in video. the coverage? Is there video? All right. Mm-hmm. If you need more of a teaser.
2: That's the real U.S. Open right there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: It'll yeah. be appearing tomorrow there, I'm sure. I guess there's no striking at the Open, right? The sports is not being struck, I guess, Elaine, now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, not, that not to my knowledge. Yeah, the games haven't been that way. I will, this is an important story in a sense. I mean, Elaine, you joke, you joke about sports and whatnot, but the PGA is having a big, it's all over NBC this weekend, Alex. Uh, what is your take on this at this point? And uh, the, the Justice Department, of course, just announced they're investigating this in, in, a, in a, I guess, a meaningful way, more on the on the Saudi side. What, what is your take on this at this point?
2: I mean, this whole deal has been uh, odd and confusing to me from a pure deal mechanism standpoint. In other words, when this deal was announced, the terms of the deal were such that uh, the PGA and LIV basically both said, we're merging, but we'll figure out the valuations of this later, after the fact. I have never heard of that before in a merger, where they would agree to merge and be like, oh, yeah, we'll figure out like, the value of this stuff after. You know That, that doesn't even make any sense to me why, why you would do that. Uh, uh, unless you were in a situation where like you really did not care about sort of the, the, the near term value of this. The only thing you cared about was ending the litigation, bringing these two uh, uh, you know entities together so that you can stop sort of the ongoing conflict of having two leagues participate. And obviously there has been a, a year plus of bad blood and sniping. And so, it's certainly possible that the PGA was like, we just want all of this to end. And so whatever we need to do to get to a resolution here, uh, we'll, we'll do that. And then like we'll deal with all that stuff later. Of course, when you do that, it comes across as rushed. Obviously, the whole purpose of this merger, the idea that suddenly uh, 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 Saudi money is now going to be the uh, dominant uh, uh, financial backing of this of mutual entity moving forward is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, especially a lot of the PGA golfers who have spent the past year plus championing the fact that they were not comfortable going to a league, even if they were going to get paid 10 X more money because of where the money is coming from. Uh, So I think that this, the, 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 the mechanism that this deal happened was so unusual that there's a lot of red flags around it to me. So we'll see if it actually happens. Obviously, it's being looked at now uh, from a regulatory standpoint. There's clearly participants in this deal that are not comfortable with it still. So I, this one I put in the will see category if it actually happens.
0: Yeah, yeah. when you don't tell your players and you don't actually set out any rules for how, even a depth, a timeline for when these two will merge. It's like any deal that has all those characteristics, it's just, I mean, we don't, we've seen enough of these, not or not enough, but when we do see them, it's like, red flag, antenna, you know, DOJ is obviously kind of feeling the same way at this point. I'm like, what's going on here? What made this happen so fast with, so, with such haste? Looks like something else is happening that, we're, that they're not saying,
2: I guess. Certainly the idea of having just one golf association is ideal. So, like, at least in those terms, I wouldn't be surprised if there comes some resolution where uh, right. we go back to that. But, yeah. uh, you know, how we get there I think is very much still an open question.
0: Um. So more to come there. I'm with you on the. Uh, yeah, this is not whatever this is going to end up being. This ain't it. This is kind of where on my mind is. You know, at this point for sure. So, uh, Elaine, we will keep you posted on on all of that. So I'll keep you updated in Slack. So uh, oh, please do. One thing we have been slacking about, which is the bigger story. Of course, which happens, you know, Elaine, I, I try and take one day off uh, <laughs> to see my niece graduate. And uh, I mean, this a joke. is what you
1: get, Sean. <laughs> I made a joke <laughs> in the newsletter.
0: Uh, unfortunately, then the newsletter of gods shown back upon me uh, yesterday. Of uh, of course, Disney CFO Christine McCarthy uh, essentially, you know, said she's taking a extended uh, medical leave of absence for, uh, you know, a personal medical issue. But she's leaving the company like uh, she, this is not like I'm coming back um and she had a, her deal was had another year on it through next June she's staying on an, an advisory role at the company through that point uh June 2024 um but Alex this was part of a piece uh you do every year in December a media predictions piece where you speak to uh people in the know in the industry and ask for their predictions uh you made this in December and and Christine McCarthy departing uh was one of them so what was the context you either you know had heard from this, source which shall remain nameless uh and it didn't quite go exactly as you said but what you know we walk us through what you saw and what you're seeing today
2: i'll tell you this by the way i, I won't name the person but i will tell you that the person who predicted this also predicted that Bob Iger would come back and replace Bob Chapek last year, which was also correct. So, Was this this person person, Christine McCarthy? Was this this person Christine (laughs) McCarthy? All right,
0: okay, for the record.
1: But this crystal ball has bought themselves a lot of credibility.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they'll be back next year, yeah, on Alex's list.
2: So uh, this is what I was told by that person and by others. Um, When uh, Bob Iger replaced Bob Chapek, there was sort of a – end of Godfather part one scene where he wiped out all the enemies, he wiped out Bob Chapek, he wiped out Green Daniel. he wiped right. out Arthur Bachner, the chief of staff of Bob Chapek. It was like the inner circle was gone, day one. All, all, team Chapek out the door. Right. Christine McCarthy was, uh, I would say, on an island where she was neither pure Team Iger or Team Chapek. She was Bob Iger's CFO, She stuck around to be Bob Chapek's CFO. She was kind of in the Bob Chapek inner circle, quasi, I would say. Um, In terms of decision-making, she was a CFO. She was very much in the room on all major decisions. Uh, Again, because of maybe the legacy with hanging around as as either CFO, not purely a Chapek person, but pretty close And then she turned on Bob JPEG at the end of his um, tenure uh, and was very much the catalyst to uh, having the board decide that his time as CEO should come to an end. Uh, That has been reported um, in the Wall Street Journal and other places We, we reported it at CNBC. That said, when she was retained as CFO, when Bob Iger comes back, you now are dealing with a person who, Uh, seems to be operating maybe in her own best interest, but is not a pure loyalist to anybody, to either Iger or JPEG. What I was told was that that put her on tenuous ground. Unlike some other people who were very clearly Bob Iger loyalists, who stayed with Bob JPEG tenure, um, she was not one of those people. And and in fact, was maybe therefore not seen as a trusted agent to Bob Iger in the same way that others were seen that way. So that was the motivation for the person making the prediction that she would leave uh, as CFO from a pure business perspective. Uh, obviously, Disney has gone through a complete change in strategy in terms of spending uh, uh, billions and billions of dollars on streaming to try to get as many streaming customers as it can to reversing that strategy over the past six plus months, where it now is taking content off of the streaming service and saying we're going to cut back on the amount of content spent. We need to make this thing profitable as soon as possible. We need to boost free cash flow. So you're dealing with the CFO who's also kind of uh, blown around in terms of strategy there. Um, I don't know exactly how much that really played a factor uh, in her leaving at this point. But, you know, she's in her late 60s, I believe. It's not like, um, you know, she uh, would be in a situation where she was going to be at the company for another 20 plus years here. Right. Um, so from that standpoint, too, like maybe Disney was thinking, look, we have a transition that we need to do. Bob Iger was brought back to pick a successor uh, and 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 that person will move the future of Disney forward. So, you know, maybe Christine McCarthy didn't fit into that vision of the future.
1: Yeah. But there was also some talk, right, of her potentially being one of those candidates uh, for, you know, to be a successor to Iger. I mean, how seriously did you take any of that chatter?
2: The people that I speak to that I trust said that was not ever serious. Um, I think she had a good relationship with the board, so in that sense, you could make the connection that she was a serious choice. But the people that I spoke to said she was not a trusted agent of Bob Iger's necessarily, and therefore they didn't think that he would go in that direction if the choice of successor was his.
0: Yeah, CFO is also a tough choice—not tough, but unusual choice for a you know a creative company per se to put someone you know from that role into CEO would be an interesting leap, I think. But um, it is worth noting, of course, it is to personal health reasons. Christine has battled cancer twice, uh, famously going to get chemo treatments. There's a hospital near Disney and would come back to the office. So uh, she did not, you know, depart the company uh, during that. Um, And her husband has been in a care facility since the beginning of the year. Um, Could be a personal
2: health thing, Alex, to a degree. Uh, well, certainly, I think I. Oh, I I think that's real. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I no. Think, I just but I want to say that for the record, that, that, that yeah. is, it's
0: definitely a legitimate At, thing. It's not ab- like it's absolutely. You know,
2: um, yeah. uh, I will also say that it's not like I've heard any like legitimate candidates to take over for Bob Iger more than anything else. You know, like there's certainly the speculation out there. Of, you know, Dana Walden or Jimmy Pataro or all you know various different internal candidates, but it's not like I've heard. One of those people is, you know, uh, leading the race here. Uh, Maybe that is the case internally, but I don't know about it. Yeah.
1: The clock is still ticking down. I mean, we're looking at what, the end of 24? We're getting closer and closer to that. That's not Uh, a long time.
2: One of the other predictions in that piece is that Bob Iger would extend his contract and not actually (laughs) make a decision by the end of 24. So that's also on the table.
1: And eventually just set up, what, A.I. Bob Iger, AI Bob, there you cryogenically it, preserved. Right?
2: Was it? Is it Futurama where it's the guys head in the, in the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just freeze them and let him be eternal CEO.
0: Yeah. Um, so, in that journal piece this morning as well, uh, Elaine, you know the timing is interesting. We're just we've just finished, or Iger's just finished his big reorg. Really, you know, the last layoffs uh, was still a small remainder to be made, but were made just a few weeks ago, there's some thinking that, you know, or talk that she wanted, you know, either further cuts or a different, a different way to go with that. So the timing is just, you know, look, it could be what it is on the tin. It could be, you know, uh, just a, a personal choice that way. Um, or, you know, the, but the timing does raise an eyebrow in terms of where the company is at right now in their, in their strategy of Iger's tenure at this point, right?
1: Yeah. It certainly seems like we're at the close of this chapter where, Seven thousand cuts are supposed to have been made by now um given everything else that's going on in the broader uh you know pretty recessionary looking market here uh so i mean it it, i mean is it really curious though to to leave at the end of of you know this sort of reorg or 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 does it actually seem apt to sort of go at the end of of you know when this chapter is uh is ending here and when this page is turning on yeah. Um, When, you know, hopefully there won't be any more layoffs. I mean, we've just seen so many waves of layoffs in the industry as a whole over the last year or so. Uh, I think most people are looking forward to moving on from that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And just coming in. So we have the theme parks guy. Alex is uh, coming in to replace her on an interim basis. Kevin Lansbury, who's the CFO of the, of the theme parks group. Who presumably and Christine, you know, uh, Alex and both of you have been on Disney earnings calls. Christine is the you know right hander, the person right next to Iger on those calls. It's a two hander, so it's a big role there that someone, I guess, Kevin will be stepping into on the on the Q2 call, Alex. Alex and
2: uh, you know. The last time they put the guy that ran the theme parts in charge, it worked out so well
0: for Disney. <laughs> that's so I, that's Why my, not go to the well again? Yeah, exactly. My subtle, re, uh, re, you know, nod that yeah, this doesn't always work out too well. But uh, admittedly, it's an interim role, at, and as uh, so Christine is staying on as an advisor for the year with the explicit task of finding a re, you know a permanent replacement. Pre, uh, presumably, Kevin, who, who if he wants the job. Um, but oh, Kevin in, also
1: overseeing the sunniest side of the balance sheet well, for them, is, right? Well,
0: he will have the good part of the report, yeah. And now to theme parks, uh, you know, yeah,
2: he will have the, the upbeat tone on the... No, to Elaine's point, in that call, right before Bob Chapek was fired, which was sort of this, like, disastrous call, that famous, was that famous call, meeting, yeah. exactly where Christine and Chapek clashed. In that call, uh, I believe it was Christine McCarthy who said, this is going to be our worst quarter. Like the lo- the streaming losses are going to be maximized here and we expect every quarter from this point on to be better until we get to break even and then profitability in streaming in 2024. So in that sense, a CFO is actually walking into a better situation now than what Christine McCarthy has been dealing with for the past 12 months or so. So, you know, it's all part of this kind of theoretically at least this transition in leadership for Disney. And someone is going to have to make big decisions there. And those big decisions have not been made. And the CFO is going to be part of those big decisions. Meaning, what do we do with Hulu? Do we buy back the 33% of Hulu that Comcast owns? Do we do anything with ESPN or do we just keep it as part of our business? Uh, do we make any other sort of big acquisition here? Uh, maybe we make a gaming acquisition, something that they've thought about and really kind of moved away from in recent years. So big decisions are going to need to be made. Um, and it's, you know, it's probably not going to be the old guard that makes these decisions. The only question mark there is if Bob Iger is part of the team that makes these big decisions or if he hands that role off in a transition period, and that's something that's still an open question.
0: Yeah. But even just looking at, you know, Q2 here, Alex, I mean, you know, uh, little mermaid is probably going to lose money. Uh, it may be break even at best, uh, elemental is, you know, opening today is, uh, no, one's very optimistic about that. Guardians three did well, um, you know. Uh, back in early May, um, the NBA playoffs only won five games, which, as you know, is you know you pay for seven, you have five. The math is never great there, uh, and the ratings were you know second lowest uh, I think of you know since two thousand seven or something along those lines. You know, uh, not great. Uh, the earlier playoffs on ESPN were better, but ABC's not doing great. Upfront's not sounding great. Um, at this point, we'll get to that a little more in a bit. I have some more thoughts on that, but. India streaming, uh, Disney Plus Hotstar did not have IPL in the in second quarter as well for the first time. So we'll see what lost that,
2: lo- lo- lost four million subscribers last quarter. That was
0: all, that was the that was right before the IPL just started. So Q two was really you know maybe the brunt of that. We'll we'll see, yep. uh, and we'll see what the cord cutting losses continue to be in in Q two, which is the cable business. So you know not not a so a good stuff real,
1: going in. Yeah, this is the
0: <laughs> Q two call. that, You know it's not going to come until you know first week of of August or whatever, Alex. So there's you know
2: a lot of not. Great stuff there. Not all of that can be put at the CFO's no no sure. is, Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, this is company wide. But b- the point being there that some big decisions are going to need to be made here. Some some maybe major changes. I'm reading uh, 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 Disney War, which is a book I'd never actually read, um, and, and I'm finally going through it. I'd read excerpts of it, but it's very long, uh, and I am plowing my way through. And like you are reminded, reading that James Stewart book, which looks at the Michael Eisner era when he was running Disney. Uh, like just how dominant Disney was in animation there for you know in the early nineties and and how far away now again we are from that. I mean, it, it cycled obviously that there were some major lulls in the Disney animation in the 80s, and then it just was hit after hit after hit with the and Beauty and the Beast and the first Little Mermaid and Lion King. And then they went and rolled right into the Pixar era and they had so many hits there too. And yeah, we're in another spot now where. You 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 see sort of the biggest animation that's coming from Universal, not Disney, right now. Uh, that is not a place that Disney is is comfortable being in. It's always been sort of the heart of Disney, um, and it, it it feels wrong in a way uh, that Disney's uh, struggling there yet again. And so that's something that Disney again is going to have to think about. How important is this to us in a streaming world? Is it still as important as it once was, or is Really, just the attention moving forward in the next decade plus, gonna be Marvel movies and Lucasfilm um, or other live action things that we're seeing now in terms of making some of those Disney animation moves into live action. I don't know, but it's gonna be major leadership questions for the next five plus years.
0: Yeah, and definitely worth noting that the two biggest films of 2023 so far are two animated films, and neither of them are are Disney films. Uh, You know, so yep, in Super Mario and Spider Man. And I will say, both of those, I mean, You know, back to the Little Mermaid, you know, it's making, you know, 450 million globally, which is nice, but it costs $250 million to make. You know what? Super Mario and Spider Man cost 100 million. So, you know, like the animation, the upside on it could even be bigger than the live action, you know, thing they've been taking lately. So, more to come there. Um,
1: Elaine, do you know what Go Digital is? Oh, is this a pop quiz, Sean? Why do you do this to me live on the pod? What's Go if, if you, Digital?
2: If, if you did know, if you did know, I would have been very surprised.
1: Alex, let me
0: put it this way. Alex, did you know who Go Digital was on Wednesday?
2: I only knew who Go Digital was when I was told a couple of weeks ago from someone who's involved in the Vice Media Sale process. Uh Calling me and saying, "Did you hear that Go Digital was interested in buying Vice?" And I said to this person, "Who is Go Digital?" Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, Alex, please, you wrote a piece on this. We'll touch on this briefly before moving on. But uh, a piece on this this morning. What is what is Go Digital, and uh, why are we talking about them right now?
2: Go Digital is a uh, L.A. based company without a physical headquarters uh, that uh, is says said to me. I spoke to its co-founders and chief strategy officer. They told me that they may raise outside financing that could value the company at more than a billion dollars. Uh, they are a conglomerate, a mini Berkshire Hathaway-style yeah. company. Uh, that it's, was a big. I will say
0: that's a big. That's, sh- that th- that's, a big that's stretch. their I, language. That's their yeah, language, not yeah, mine. Yeah,
2: um, where, where they own a large library of music rights, which makes up the bulk of the valuation, and then a hodgepodge of different companies several of which they have bought out of bankruptcy in a variety of different verticals over the past few years. They bought Yoga Works out of bankruptcy for $10 million. They bought Eastern Mountain Sports and Bob stores out of bankruptcy. Um, And then they own some different music distribution businesses. They own a couple Latin media companies, including one that was co-founded by John Leguizamo, the actor. Uh, That actually is sort of a vice comparison that media company where they do kind of branded content and their own, uh, they have their own studio that makes videos. So that's the business they own. That's closest to Vice. But Vice would be by far their biggest acquisition to date. Uh, And they are interested in buying Vice Media out of bankruptcy. Um, So that was the story is sort of who is this company? Why do they want this company? And then the interesting thing about them I found is that they have a very um, anti-VICE ethos culture. They're very into promoting happiness rather than, you know, promoting kind that of... Isn't, that's not the newsletter I get from Vice rock. every Sounds day. Sounds like a natural uh, match. That's
0: not, not the word I use for the, the Vice daily newsletter that I get. Well, no. what's
2: funny is that their thesis is basically that Vice has been so mismanaged that if they bring in this new culture of matching Vice employees to what they call there's the zone of genius, mm-hmm. which is basically uh, uh, putting employees in positions where they are doing what they want to be doing in the right places to be doing it. Uh, it is very kind of new age business school language. Uh, I will admit that that's probably not the way Vice has been run. So at least they are coming at it from a different perspective here. True. But you talk to them, and basically their thesis is <clears throat> that that coming out of bankruptcy now, uh, buying Vice now is actually. Uh, a great time to be buying these assets. They still have value. We don't need to tear this thing apart. Refin- Refinery 29 is an asset that focuses on a broad variety of women's issues. That has value. The ad agency they own, Virtue, has value. Vice News still has value. Uh, they're just coming in at it at the right time now, and they feel like they can make this business work. Yeah.
1: This new AG business model, is this like, it sounds like when you go through a breakup and then you decide to like, really focus on self-care and like read the secret it's like this what's about to happen to vice
2: well uh i spoke with the co-founder uh and ceo um his name's jason peterson and he told me that day one when when i asked him like if you end up buying vice what are you going to say to the employees day one he was like on day one i'm going to go in there and i'm going to explain that what the go digital way is uh and i'm going to try to convince all of the employees that we are going to find this zone of genius where we are going to align them to, uh, you know, what what makes them happy and what's best for the business. And if we can find something that makes them happy and uh, is productive for the company in this sort of nexus, that's the way that we can, uh, you know, move all these businesses forward. And He claims that he's had success doing this already in the past with the various businesses that I talked about. Um, and, and yet he's I think he's going to be met by an employee base that comes with that that is is skeptical of this type of talk or idea. So that is going to be fascinating to me if they actually do end up buying vice, if he's going to get the type of buy-in from the employee base uh that, that's gonna go along with this type of culture. So we'll see. The auction is next week, Tuesday, or I should say bids are due on June 20th. Then, if there's more than one bid, then two days later, June 22nd, uh, that is the auction, and then on June 23rd, I think is when like the judge will confirm that you know X company is going to be able to buy Vice Media out of bankruptcy. So we'll know shortly. Yeah.
1: So Alex, did you have on your 2023 bingo card Yoga Works and Vice Media being under the same umbrella?
2: <laughs> I, <clears throat> I do, but only because I'm a Championship Master 2022 <laughs> player, so most novices would have not had that. <laughs> We're not talking about. Well,
0: as long as there's no zone of layoffs, I think the vice employees will be happy to. And, uh, and, you know.
2: and like I think it probably will be. So I don't know how exactly that lays.
0: You know, you know what make you happy? Being laid off—that's what I think—is your <laughs> destiny that uh, has to take you know. Look, yeah. you
2: weren't in the zone of genius here. Maybe you can find your zone right. of genius elsewhere.
0: Clearly, this wasn't working out. Uh, there you go. Do you think Shane Smith? There was some talk initially for the Fortress guys. Fortress being uh, the essentially the people who hold all the, the equity and vice at this point. Uh, having Shane Smith come back in the company in some variety here—that doesn't sound like this will be in the mix here with this
2: at all. Definitely not. For yeah. sure. This would yeah, be the okay. end of the Shane Smith regime. So, yeah. if Fortress ends up buying it, like you said, right. they put in a stocking force bid of two hundred twenty-five million. And if, right. uh, I, I, as I reported, Go Digital plans on bidding between three and four hundred million, I'm told. So, right. if there's two bids like that, and, and there is in fact an option, and Fortress wants to buy this thing and own it for a while and bring in Shane Smith and try to, you know, get more value on it, that is possible. But, but yeah, Shane Smith is not a part of the vision of the Go Digital team. Actually, they've been in talks with. Uh, a woman named Alex Wallace, who ran media for oh. Yahoo for a couple of years, she uh, is the person that they want to run the company moving forward. I don't believe Alex Wallace has firmly committed to that yet, but right. she's definitely the number one target of the Go Digital team to run the business.
0: Gotcha. All right, more to come next week. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick uh, quick break, and I'll be back after a message from a sponsor. Paramount is behind some of today's most popular content. From Yellow Jackets to the most-watched show on TV, Yellowstone, it's home to big sports events like the UEFA Champions League, hot dramas like Fire Country and Fatal Attraction, iconic reality franchises like RuPaul's Drag Race, and fan favorites like The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and Ghosts. Popular is Paramount. See more at Paramount.com. All right, Alex, speaking of news, we are two weeks post CNN, uh, implosion debacle. Uh, is there a licked gate? Is that something I haven't heard that? I guess maybe I'm making that one up. Um, uh, you know, uh, first I'm going to ask this cause you wrote a piece after the, you know, the Chris Lick, uh, departure, were you kind of saying CNN plus might've been a good idea to kill too early or, uh, you know, I, I read this and I was like, all right, w- was, wait a second here. Hold on. What, so yeah. What was your thinking on this here? No,
2: I, I'm glad you're asking me that. Uh, because my, my approach is nuanced. <laughs> uh, I, am, I am not saying that CNN plus was a good idea. At okay. Much. All right. Uh, I thought that product was a total non-starter, just like the discovery folks did a whole bunch of programming that no one would be interested in for a bizarrely high price of $4.99 a month. What I was saying was that a leader of CNN needs something that's forward looking because to just run that company by trying to be, in a cable news ratings race with MSNBC and Fox News and having all of your attention on linear TV, that is a backward looking way that a media CEO should be running a media company. I mean, that business is dying. We all know that. So, right. so that's where the money is. So, you, so it certainly needs to be uh, a, a very high priority when you do it. But you need a future vision to get everyone on board at that company, that you're not slowly steering a sinking ship here. And right. so the previous regime's idea at that was CNN Plus. What I was saying is that you need some sort of digital first uh, uh, revenue growing business, if you are the CEO of CNN, to get everyone energized at that company so that they're not all working And just staring at the lower rated programming as year after year goes by, all of the numbers fall at all of the cable networks and just being like, well, what are we doing here? You know, we're just sort of rearranging the deck chairs on this, you know, ship that we all know is over time going to flounder, if not founder. So uh, that was my point because Chris Lick didn't do that in his year. There was yeah. no future vision beyond <laughs> just trying to rearrange the linear programming, and not all his fault. I think. I mean, I don't really think that was David Sazlov, his boss. I mean, still, no one was you
0: know, talking. No one you know, was. I mean, you know, I'm glad you that brought it up I wrote priority, a, Yeah, I wrote about it the same. You know, essentially the same time. And I've said it even when first looked was first acts there. I'm like, CNN doesn't have an ideology problem per se. Their biggest problem is they don't. They don't have a business model problem. Um, exactly. You know, and exactly. a year ago when he was brought on, there was no talk of this. It was all about the John Malone, uh, you know, ideology infusing and back to the center. And I'm like, that's all well and good. And it's, it's important. But the new the new leader of this company, the new CEO, this wasn't the new head of programming. This was the new CEO. Totally. And this CEO has to set a business vision as much as they have to set a uh, programming vision. And they put those things in one job again.
2: And I'm like, uh, no one brought this up a year ago. And what I was saying with CNN Plus is that the marketing of CNN Plus was the problem there because they marketed that at launch as a streaming service. Again, five bucks a month. That was not the right way to launch CNN Plus. My point was that I think CNN Plus could have survived if the pitch, and this is where Chris Lick could have stepped in and said, you know what? I'm going to slow down the spending. I'm going to change the message, but I'm going to launch this thing as a subscription business that over time can compete with the New York Times and other major news outlets there, except we'll do it from a video-first standpoint. So eventually, think of a world where all of CNN's linear programming goes on this thing. Plus, we're going to lean into breaking news. We're going to hire new breaking news journalists for this. We're going to build a subscription product that is so robust over time that it can compete with the New York Times, you know. Right now, CNN.com can't compete with the New York Times. It doesn't have the richness of the coverage. It doesn't have all the breaking news. But there's bones at CNN that you could use that would make something that was five dollars a month worth it. And it's not there yet. But Chris Licht, who is a theoretically a great TV producer, he didn't really get to do it on the CNN linear yeah. side because he was mostly just rearranging different people and stuff. But if given a platform where he could have actually created shows from scratch, well, that's the platform. It would have been that digital platform. And maybe he could have stuck around if he could have given his employee base this message of saying, give me some time. Don't turn on me. I'm going to involve you You guys here. We're going to be creative, and we're going to build this new thing. And then all of the attention wouldn't have been on the sinking linear ratings and his failures from a programming standpoint. He would have had uh, a a way of turning the morale at that company and changing the narrative around CNN. And what ultimately doomed Chris Licht was he never got control of the narrative. It was a failure from the get-go. It was a bunch of people there who still wanted Jeff Zucker to run that company yeah. didn't really see like what Chris Lick was bringing to the table, who had a bunch of linear TV programming failures and he never was able to put any wins on the board. So the narrative just got away from him. And eventually David Sasson was like, This is too much. We got to pull the plug.
0: Allowing a reporter to follow you for six months also was probably not the wisest of uh, no, of, but, know, but So,
2: I, but I will say again, I'm not defending that decision at all, it was mind boggling, <laughs> but but. The reason you would do that is when is that you sensed that the narrative around you was going in the wrong direction, and maybe you needed somewhat of a Hail Mary to turn it around. And so you 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 agree to do this feature to be like, you know what? Maybe this 15,000-word feature on me will get people to see me in a new light because oh, things aren't totally. going well right now. Yeah, it just, I mean. So it a- ended up burying him. But right, things weren't going great for him before that. Piece. No,
0: no, but it, clearly this was the straw that, you know. That he, was the straw that uh, broke the camel's back. Yeah. But
2: when you're losing in a game, what my point is is that oh, you're you more need... likely to throw a Hail <laughs> right. Mary pass that's probably going to get intercepted. And this right. one was, and yeah. it ended him. And yeah. it ended him, I'm sure, more quickly than he thought it would end him. But I do kind of understand the logic there when you have failed to capture the narrative um, up to that point.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. there's always such a toss up when you decide to leave your fate in the hands of a reporter as we have something uh, like
0: that. As we have reporters here. I mean,
1: Alex, would you ever let a reporter just follow you around as a reporter? (laughs) So this
2: is what I would say. to that. So if you are going to let a reporter follow you around for seven months and you expect the general takeaway from that story to be Alex Sherman is a great person and a great leader, you are mistaken. Like that is never going to happen. It just, that story wouldn't even be able to get out the gate. No editor would agree to that. Right. However, the one time that I would say it is, it is plausibly okay to allow a reporter to follow you around and write a big profile piece on you is if you need image rehabilitation. If you are already so low that it is like, I got to take a shot here. You know, I've got to turn the narrative somehow. That's the right. one time. Because at that point, you have nothing to lose. After the
1: downfall. Right. I'm talking
2: about like like the Elizabeth Holmes profile. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me take a shot here. Like, it can't get any worse. I might as well. There's no downside. So that would be the one time that I would say. Now, was Chris linked at that point? No. I don't think he was. And I think that was a mistake that buried him. But maybe in his head he was. I don't know. Maybe he had been hearing so much that things were going poorly that maybe he thought he was. I, I I don't really think so. I think this turned out much worse than he thought it was going to turn out. But, you know, that that is the one caveat, I would say, is when things are so bad, I, I think it's probably fine to allow somebody to follow you around.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. you're right on that, Alex. I don't think you do it when the trajectory is still uncertain and there still might be some upside. Otherwise, exactly. then you're just airing out all your weird tics, like, like mm-hmm. oh, Alex Sherman puts ranch dressing on his hot dogs or something mm-hmm. like that. Then you get all the weird stuff like that. <laughs>
2: Totally,
0: totally right. Is that true, Alex, or not just to get that on the record? <laughs> oh, that, no. no, okay. no yeah. All right. All right. Conceptually
2: but, right. I, I don't know if it has <laughs> had a scoop there or not for us. My, my weirdness is that I put nothing on my hot dog. Oh, a plane That like, is oh, weird, Alex. Right, I know. There you <laughs> <Yeah>. go.
0: <laughs> Breaking news. There we go um so elsewhere at the wbd kingdom here elaine uh, the flash is in theaters which you have seen uh at this point i have
1: seen yes and you and are I, very I, thumbs
0: up on it right if i recall correctly i
1: think it's effective did i did i go in with any expectations watching movie Lowe says, it's
2: effective no. didn't David and... say this was the greatest superhero movie of all time the greatest superhero
1: movie of all time i am here right. to tell you As a person who was not a fan necessarily, not invested going in, watching this movie at CinemaCon, uh, did I laugh and cry at all the moments they probably wanted me to? Yeah, sure. Uh, Did I come out going... Yeah. I felt satisfied that by that movie. Yeah. Okay. So yes, it's effective, which is a, which is a total head Sean, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I think it was effective. I think it'll do gangbusters at the box office. You know, it was on my list of top three in our little summer blockbuster uh, predictions. Yeah. 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 What is it? Premiere magazine. I don't know.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I still, I still, Alex, you know what Premiere magazine is or am I really the old person here?
2: Now, that, you can chalk that up to the Go Digital. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I vaguely know. <laughs> what it vaguely? Is, All right. But, I'm, the only re- re-
0: re- I'm the only relic <laughs> here. All right. Fair enough. Uh, are you in for The Flash, Alex, or are you more of a Wes Anderson Asteroid City guy this weekend? Yeah, I, I, I,
2: I, I'm never in for any sort of superhero movie. Just All not right. not something that I will ever go to the theater for, unless my kids absolutely drag me there. They do want to see the Spider Man movie. And okay. I, I that movie, the, the first of, of the, the Spider Verse movies I've seen um and and light i must yeah. say so yeah that was so good. occasionally you can get me on on like you know i like the first iron man movie um okay. but in generally speaking no not no. not your thing okay not my thing.
1: alex did you take your children to see super mario brothers <laughs>
2: uh <laughs> no i haven't and they've been begging
0: uh, me to you know, oh, boy.
1: see it all right mother. i sent
0: a, a, a play date here if you're well if you're on different <laughs> coast, unfortunately <laughs> you can watch it together on pvod and there you go rent it at home well, that's
2: that's what i told them Oh,
0: <laughs> peacock. Right. Exactly. they yeah. we'll there, short sure enough. So, you know, we, <laughs> Alex, are you going to, to uh, out West to Idaho this year? Are you going to sun Valley or, uh, you know, or do you, have you been to that by the way, that's coming up. So it's mid, mid July is the big sun Valley I, conference.
2: I, I've never gone. I've been asked several times and have always said no, because my fellow reporters have told me it's horrible uh, to go. It's just like there you <laughs> as a reporter, you are, treated as a third class citizen, you're, you're put in sort of a pen and forced to kind of paparazzi style, you know, maybe like get, get one of these media executives to do a group interview for 10 minutes or or less. Um, the only time I would do it is, uh, if I were, um, sort of on camera doing a series of TV interviews, then I think it is worth it because the backdrop is amazing. But for for CNBC, (laughs) Julia Borstein does that for us. So she will go, I assume she goes every year. Um, So then I think it's worth it because from a setting standpoint, the interviews are amazing. But... In terms of like reporting value, I've I've just been told by people that have done it that it's a
1: waste of time. So I don't that's what out. I've heard, too, that you're basically like pinned up in this little gaggle, like yelling for people as they come out, like yeah. your TMZ or something. Yeah.
0: Yelling at the valet is essentially the, the, the images that I've seen out of that. Um, but going into this, Alex, you know, we're so, we you know, CNN is come and gone and he'll take time now to find a new leader. And that's, you know, seems to have died down from whatever that all was last week. We had the flash, certainly, you know, NHL numbers. Stanley Cup wasn't great. NBA playoffs were great. Where, you know, but where does the upfronts are now still ongoing, but we're great. We're not coming out kind of similar to Disney as well. Where does that stand at this point, uh, kind of going into the second half of 2023 in your mind? And what are, you know, uh, what's your take at this point? You know, you have a lot of talk with a lot of folks there.
2: Yeah, a couple of thoughts. Um, one other of those predictions from that uh, 2023 prediction piece was that. Zaslav would get an activist investor and would potentially face a proxy fight at Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, I think if he can't turn that stock around in six months or so, that does become a possibility that maybe outside investors start to question um, exactly what they're doing. Uh, That said, my counter argument speaks to Sun Valley to some degree, which is Sun Valley is historically a place where uh, deals get done. And certainly the speculation, and I think it was beyond speculation because w- w- the, 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 w- when the Discovery Warner Media deal was announced, John Malone was on CNBC and openly talked about how that deal could just be a precursor to another deal down the road and even openly mentioned how NBCUniversal could be the ultimate merger partner there. But, for the fact that uh, there may be regulatory concerns around it. And I think what all of these media executives are going to be talking about at Sun Valley this year is how to figure out the timeline um, to enter the next wave of consolidation when you have a current regulatory regime under the Biden administration and the con that appears to be so unfriendly to large mergers. And how do we mix these two things do does the media industry cross its fingers that in 2024 and beyond there will be new people in charge of regulatory in this country and they will be more open to large media deals or do they move forward in the near term and test that regime i mean that the the, uh, amazon was allowed to buy MGM, so it's not like no media deal could go through that was like a $8.5 billion, $9 billion deal. Um, But, you know, uh, I think it is very much an open question if the big media companies are willing to do big deals in this administration, or if any deals we see in the next 12 to 18 months are going to be of the smaller divestiture-esque variety. So, you know, Lionsgate, that deal could probably get done because that's a small deal. Maybe Warner Brothers Discovery, if they had a change of heart would sell cnn to someone that would be a divestiture
0: yeah but to whom, um, to whom to whom Whom? this is this, 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 i everybody keeps saying this and i'm like who's buying it that's what right i want to you know i mean yeah.
2: everyone loves to talk about with jeff sucker and private equity yeah, and outside yeah, right. money redbirds
0: not buying cnn come, that's, come together you know, right. and make an
2: offer to buy cnn but all, not only that but like what world is David Zaslav open to selling to Jeff? Like the, that, that relationship yeah, I, beyond yeah, there's free. A lot, there's a lot of, so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, right. side, so there's side a lot, point there's about, a about that. Wishful but. Thinking there. So to your point, I don't know. I yeah. it, and I don't right. know what the offer would be. And I don't, you know, so. Yeah, right. So what, maybe, what, it's
0: what, go, what, maybe it's go digital, Alex. Uh, maybe it's go digital, <laughs>
2: right. Right, exactly. First vice and then the next step. Yeah, uh, that's, that's That's funny. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, look, I think the media industry is in a very uh, uneasy position because. They all know that more consolidation needs to take place, but I think they're all nervous right now that if they move too soon, uh, they'll actually uh, be pushed off years because they'll try to do one of these deals. It won't succeed. Uh, A year will go by that no media company wants to be put in that situation where where you've thrown your entire company into a state of wait and see if this deal is going to go forward. And then the deal potentially doesn't go forward and you've got to start the whole thing over again. So everybody yeah. wants to avoid that. So my guess is that a lot of the discussion at some Valley this year will be around that idea of, you know, when when do we act? And then, you know, what are the theoretical combinations of uh, that, that we could do maybe in the next year or so?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be, you know... Paramount and Simon Schuster having to be like, all right, we're back, you know, three years have gone by and then you're back to you know square one again with the you know two but billion the, dollar deal.
2: The antidote to an activist shareholder going back to the Warner Brothers Discovery deal is sort of like the look, you just gotta give us time. We're gonna do another deal here. So right. it doesn't really matter what we're doing right now. Like we're just finding <laughs> our time until we can <laughs> right. do the next merger.
0: Yeah. But at WBD, there's also you know, more layoffs on the horizon. I mean, that was hasn't come out yet, but that's still on the you know, more probably in the linear. Business at this point right Alexis absolutely, absolutely. The, yeah so that's not done that's not done there that's not nope. done there
2: that's yeah. not done and and honestly, I could see a world where maybe that it's c n n again I mean it needs to hit the linear cable uh, uh, world and c n n is a linear cable network
0: a lot of a lot of employees there, so yep, Elaine, do you think the strike will be on on the topic of a conversation at Sun Valley this year
1: mm <laughs> It's interesting to see how little and how much it registers on certain people's radars. And I think there is a tendency among some in the higher echelons to be like, oh, we'll figure this thing out together. seems to be the going line that people go to when they want to deflect that question. Um, I think if we see SAG go on strike the first week of July, then shit's getting serious. Because when you have a double strike going on, yes, the DGA made a deal, but the writers are seemingly happy to go on through the summer and into the fall to be as purposefully disruptive as a strike is meant to be. But if you have 160,000 actors who are suddenly also on strike, um, that's going to shut everything down. And then I think it becomes an actual more urgent discussion.
0: Yeah. And no promotion of films and not just not, you know, not shooting, but also doing, you know. Throw some whole S Y C promotion, uh, Emmys, you know, all that stuff. uh, You know, went on Toronto and you know the film festivals. Tell you right, et cetera. Then nobody's going anywhere. So, a much bigger factor for sure. So, until then, Elaine, you know, it's a lot of wait and see at this point. I guess, right? Uh, You know. It's not too much. Uh, you're still, so you still be back out in the strike lines next week, or what's uh, what's in your future? Yep, here? Uh,
1: I just got back from Banff, uh, the World oh, Media right. Film, uh, the World Media Festival. Yeah, I was there for about three days. Got back late Tuesday. Uh, the strike nice was photos. top of mind. Oh yes, yeah, beautiful very out nice. there. The Speaking sun doesn't nice set photos. until like 10 p.m. Um, <laughs> I don't know how anybody sleeps out there, with like blackout curtains and a lot of melatonin, I guess. Yeah. Uh Beautiful out there. Uh But yeah, strike was definitely top of mind for some um who I spoke to. And um yeah, it's again, the, the party line is we can keep this going as long as we need to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now I think it's the topic. I mean, you know, the, the Q1 earnings season kind of got a pass on it. That if the, you know, SAG aside, even if the writers are out at that point still, which is. To all accounts, probably still likelihood will be much more of a bigger factor on, at least on the studios calls this time around streamers. and I mean, Apple and Amazon won't be asked about it, obviously, but this will be a much bigger topic come early, late July, early August, right?
2: I think that's why everyone has assumed that the strike would be a long one because everybody knew it would have to drag on in order for the studio side to feel pain. Um, so that was sort of the obvious evolution of this thing was that it kind of needs to go on in order for the writers to gain leverage because if yep. it's too short, they don't gain any leverage. Yep. So that, that's the world we're in.
0: Yep. So more to come there for sure. Again, Elaine, where can uh, folks send you things next week on the line? What's the uh, way to reach you there?
1: Talk to me at Elaine at theankler.com. And uh, I think I'm probably a familiar enough face with a lot of the local strike captains at the studios <laughs> these days. So if you see me out on the lines talking to folks, please come up and say hi.
0: There you go. Uh, and Alex, where can folks find you, of course?
2: Uh, On Twitter, Sherman4949. And uh, feel free to email me, alex.sherman at NBCUNI.com. Any predictions for the Niners
0: this year, Mr. 49?
2: Oh, man, I'm afraid to say this, John. I'm (laughs) afraid to say this.
0: Predictions are your bread and butter here, man, this week. I just.
2: just, You're on a
1: roll, Alex. Go with it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
2: I I was just, I'm friends with Nina Kimes, who works for ESPN, who does, she does, she's on the NFL. show i'm blanking on the name of it she'll she'll be angry at me for that um but i said to her i have not made this prediction i think since 1995 but i think the 49ers are going to win the super bowl sure oh boy is what I'm all doing. right so yeah. i'm going all the way
0: with all right you're on a podcast predicting here so this is, this is, we have recorded <laughs> evidence here in june of 2023 the the niners all the way Going to the super bowl all right fair enough who's who will be a quarterback this is a question for elaine J. i'm sure she loves but I, this
1: is not a question for me stop it sean <laughs> there's a, there's a
0: big off of quarterbacks going on it's fine i'm kidding alex about it but, yeah uh, no i think yeah. i
2: think it will be brock birdie and i think the, the niners will uh, go
0: all the way all right, to all right there it
2: is john can attest
1: up. to my uh devotion to sports because we sat on the disney up fronts together watching the hour-long ESPN yes. show
0: <laughs> yeah. The sports show that Elaine was like, kept asking you, know, who are these people? Anyway, people <laughs>
1: all
0: right. Well, Alex and I'll be watching us open golf this weekend. We'll give you the full report on that next week. Uh, as always, I'll be covering all the busy box office action uh, in my wake up uh, box office breakdown on uh, Monday or Tuesday. We'll see how that's a you know, three day weekend this weekend. So all the flash numbers, elemental, uh, the blackening also out there. Uh, and we'll see how much Wes Anderson can revive. The Specialty Market, plus uh, Spider-Man and all the other good stuff. Again, you can get that at uh, TheAnkler.com. Alex, always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Elaine, pleasure to see you as well. Uh, thanks, for, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.